Welcome back to another episode of Family Illinois Football Podcast. I'm your host, Juice Williams, here with my co-host, Cam Buckner. Cam, I know you're feeling good coming off the weekend, but let me just formally check in with you. How are things? Man, I feel fantastic uh, watching uh, this team. Uh, this weekend actually was a, a real boost for me. Uh, hail to the orange, hail to the blue, hail to the yes. That's how you finish a football game, man. <laughs> That's how you finish a football game. <laughs> no, I love it, man. Love it. No, it was an action-packed game. I mean, win, lose, or draw. Like, I don't, I don't care who's out there playing. You want to see a game go to the wire like that. Like, that That level of drama in the fourth quarter, um, you know, everyone is on the edge of their seats. It's a back-and-forth game. That's what you show. That's what you show up for as a fan. Like you want to see those finishes like that. And lucky for us, you know, Illinois was able to come out on top with the victory. And um, we one win away from being bowl eligible. I'm excited. Um, and I know the team is down. It's, it's excited as well down in Champaign. Yeah, we talked about this a few weeks ago, Juice. That uh, after the bye week, we were entering a brand new season at zero and zero. Uh, now we're two and zero in that brand new season with two games left. Two big games left, uh, a road a game against Iowa, which is going to be our last road game of the year, and then uh, back home for our, uh, our traditional season finale against the Northwestern Wildcats. I I'm super excited to see this team gelling and clicking and doing what they're doing. Juice, you know as well as anybody that, that winning is a habit and so is losing. Uh, when you get used to losing, you find ways to lose. When you get used to winning, uh, you find ways to win, and this team has shown that down to the wire. Uh, it also is worth noting the... Um, kind of individual accolades that many of these players have. Um, uh, John Paddock became the, the Big Ten Offensive Player of the Week this year, uh, this week, which was a big deal. Um, Isaiah Williams is now um, on the watch list for the Belitnikoff Award. Um, uh, Johnny Newton is a semifinalist for the Benaric Award, which um, highlights the best defensive player in college football in the country. Listen, this is a great time for Illinois. We're great, gaining great momentum and great, great steam. Uh, and we'll see what the next two weeks have in store. Yeah, man, I'm excited. Uh, now, assuming that we can avoid the historical inconsistencies that we've seen with Illinois uh, football, assuming we can kind of brush that off and keep the momentum going in this direction, man, I'm super excited for what, what we got to offer with all those individual accolades that you just mentioned. But the biggest one being John Paddock, right? That was the question that we had going into this game. Can we continue that momentum that he had coming off, you know, the two weeks ago to win, going three for three, game winning touchdown in the fourth quarter. What do you do with that? Do you try to run loop back into the fold or you let the, th the three for three bleed over to the next week? Obviously, we got an instant answer from that. Now, you being an Illinois football historian, you probably ain't know this. John Paddock is the first quarterback in 40 years to throw for 500 yards or more in a football game. Wow. 40. 40 years, 40 years, 507 yards. Now, he also surpassed me. I was number three on the list with 462 back in 2008. So he surpassed my individual pass game record. But 500 yards in the last 40 years, bro, that's a huge accomplishment. And again, back against the wall, everyone feels an anxiety. I feel an anxiety every time I watch Illinois play right now because we know what's on the line. But to go out there and be, what you call him, Johnny Cool as Johnny, Johnny, Johnny Ice, Johnny, yeah. Johnny <laughs> Ice. Yeah. Johnny Ice comes out there and throw for 500 yards to back up. Like, you can't undermine that. You can't, sir, you can't overlook that being, you know, being a reserve this entire time. Now, the bigger question becomes, what do we do as we kind of go into the final two games of the season? 
before I get my two cents, I'd love to get your get your get you to weigh in on what do you think? What are your thoughts going into these final two games at the quarterback position? Well, yeah, let me just say, Paddock Paddock uh, it has proven himself to me uh, in this space. Five hundred and seven yards uh, passing. He uh, is now the uh, the pass the, the, the passing record holder in Memorial Stadium. No quarterback, either home or away, has ever thrown for that many yards uh, in Memorial Stadium. That includes. Kirk Kittner and Juice Williams and uh, all, <laughs> I was, was going to say, you know who he passed to, to break that stadium record. My right? guy, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> Jack, Jack Trudeau and Jeff George and, and, and all the greats, right? Which is already puts him in a category of his own. Uh, last week, I was willing to, to step out from my hate of quarterbacks and could give him a, uh, a, a nickname. I said number four on offense, Johnny Ice. Number four on defense, Johnny Fire. And that fire and ice really helped bring us to where we are. Um, I'll say this, Juice. I think early last week, the question was, uh, do we have a quarterback controversy? Uh, and I think you and I both said, no, we don't have a quarterback controversy. We have quarterback by committee. We're going to find a way to get both Luke the ball and John Paddock the ball uh, and make it work. I think halfway through the game, we may have texted each other this last week and said, well, now we've got a quarterback controversy. Um, the great thing is that that controversy didn't last very long because now we no longer have a controversy. Again, we have quarterback coordination. Uh, and what happened uh, with those 507 yards is that Johnny Paddock became uh, the offensive leader of this football team. He's making the guys around him better. Isaiah Williams is playing lights out. Um, he's getting guys the ball. Uh, folks like Reggie Love um, are able now to actually run the ball because we've got a passing game that uh, is deadly. I like the, what I'm, I like what I'm seeing out of Illinois' offense. We got to just stay the course. We got to control um, these next two games, control the tempo, and play Illinois football. And I think we'll be victorious. Now, look, man, I, I, I couldn't agree more with you. Um, and, and I'll say this: If John, you're listening, hey man, congratulations as a fellow quarterback, man. I'm super, super proud of you to see you go out there and lead your team. I'm sure you didn't know you dethroned me as the Memorial Stadium uh, individual pass game record holder, right? I'm sure you didn't know that, but congratulations, man. Uh, records are made to be broken. Um, it's super fun to see you go out there and perform at a high level like you do it, like you did. Keep going and congrats. Now to speak to the controversy that we have at the quarterback position, like you, I mean, like you hit on, you hit it on the head, bro. Yeah, we text halfway through that game. And it's just like, yo, we might have an issue. We might have a quarterback controversy at this point now. But like you said, very quickly, that controversy was over. You go out there and throw for 500 yards. I mean, look, the, the proof is in the pudding, bro. And football is – and I love the game of football because it's the closest thing you'll get to real life. What you did yesterday is over with. And, and feel good and, and lean into that accomplishment. But the next day is a whole different set of circumstances. You have to do it again. So with John Patton being able to go out there and throw for all those yards, I mean, although Luke has been playing well and he's been getting some momentum, and we talked about him having a game where he goes out there have his performance, unfortunately injuries is a part of football. And next man up is what have you done for me lately? And John has definitely proven himself to, to be the guy going out there throwing for, you know, half a thousand yards. I mean, one game, in one game, and putting Illinois in position to be bowl eligible. So um, I think from a staff perspective, a fan base perspective and a teammate perspective, we we rally and give John all the support that he needs as the leader um, to close out the rest of the season. And you add on the fact that Isaiah Williams is out there performing like we all knew he had the potential to do it. And now it's being more than just a lateral threat 
like with the jet sweeps and the bubble passes, he's going over the top and scoring touchdowns now. And he comes out and, and has 200 yards receiving. Reggie Love comes back and runs for 140 yards and three touchdowns. Look, you starting to get into a situation where you got weapons that's hitting you from everywhere, and that's the balance that makes an offense like Illinois very tough to beat, and I don't care who lines up against you on Saturday. Listen, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, we, we saw that in real time. And you made a, a point earlier that I think I just want to uh, highlight a little bit, Juice. Um, it, it's, it's, it's easier in most cases for people to, to um, understand shifting of the quarterback uh, role shifting of, of who the, the QB one is uh, when somebody has played badly when somebody has stunk the place up uh, that is not what happened with Luke Altmaier um, Luke was actually having career games and and, and he was uh, doing a good job of keeping his team um, you know eligible uh, bowl eligible and so uh, th- this is one of those weird situations in football where you know injuries as you said they're part of the game uh, happen and the next guy has to step up you know the some of the more uh, poignant professional examples of that uh, are, are the examples of Brett Favre and, and Aaron Rodgers or Drew Bledsoe and Tom Breeze, right? Um, you want your QB2 to be ready when that opportunity comes. And, and Paddock uh, has said that now in his, in his post-game interviews that um, he just wanted the opportunity to play a full game and to show people what he were, was able to do. Uh, and so uh, being able to obviously understand this offense, not just understand the offenses, uh, the offense from an X's and O standpoint, but he understands the players. You could tell that very easily um, that he has a good rapport with, with guys like Isaiah and Pat Bryant. And so I'm excited about what this offense has in store for us. Uh, obviously, um, you know, they've been able to, to fight through some real tough pressure points. Um, you know, uh, taking these games out to the last minute. And I will say this, um, we haven't got gotten to the Iowa piece yet, but um, once we do have that conversation, I just want to uh, implore uh, the young members of the University of Illinois Final Line our football team, you don't have to take this to overtime, y'all. Like, do you, man, for, for those of us old guys watching this, we, we've had four overtime wins this year, right, or, or four, like, you know, down to the last play wins. Um, uh, and thank God for our kicker, Caleb. He, he's been able to come through, and, and, and Paddock and Isaiah have come through, and, and two of them as well. But let's just beat them up early, y'all. Like, we, we, don't, we don't need uh, a fourth-quarter walk-off or an overtime walk-off, man. Just um, be, be nice to our cardiac muscles. <laughs> yeah, no, facts. No, definitely easy a little anxiety. We got enough stress in the real world um, as, as, as working individuals and politicians over here. Let's uh, let's. Let us have our Saturdays of, of, of being just relaxed a little bit. So I, I would appreciate just a, regular, a, a regulation win from time to time. Now, now, just looking on the other side of the ball, right, as much praise and, and, um, and, and salutes we give into this offense, I mean, we still gave up 45 points to Indiana, right? Uh, there's obviously there's been some issues with uh, being able to stop the pass, giving up the big play. You know, getting off the field on third down with some of the inside zones, outside runs. You know, what are some of the keys to Illinois being able to turn around, you know, that type of uh, defensive play, getting off the field and ultimately not having to score 48 points just to win the game in overtime? Yeah, I've seen a little bit of confusion in our linebacker core and with our DBs. Um, but I think a lot of that uh, is because they've keyed off some of the, the defensive linemen and kind of where they're going in this space. Uh, you know, I think there's nothing wrong with us that can't be fixed with a good week of practice, uh, with some good preparation, and not just physical reps, but mental reps, right? Guys can't make mental errors and unforced mistakes because um, it's going to put uh, them in a vulnerable position. 
but what I what I do like is that we seem to adjust quickly and we know how to anchor in when it's time to do that. Um, we shouldn't have anyone scoring that many points on us, uh, but that requires, I think, some communication between the three levels of, of, of the defense. Um, I, I also say that uh, when I look at you know, when we're playing our best football and when the D-line is getting pressure and the linebackers are flowing and uh, the, D, D, the DBs are able to, 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 to cover, um, you know, they all seem to be on the same page. And so really I think this is more mental than anything. Uh, some of the things we've seen on, on defense, some of the mistakes, and, and to get folks on the same page uh, is going to be important. We often talk about third down and how important third down is uh, because it's money down, right? It's, it's, it's where you go get paid. You, you cash a check on third down. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think my challenge, and most people who are watching this game, uh, challenge to this defense is that first down has to be much more aggressive because um, you can't get the third down if you don't have a decent first down. Uh, and uh, on that first play of the drive, we have to make sure we pin our ears back, um, push the line of scrimmage back, get guys in the right position because that is going to set the tone for the next uh, three downs after that. And so uh, that would be kind of what I'm looking at uh, moving forward with this defense. Make first down count, and, is, and third down, the second down becomes easier. 100%, man. Uh, the third down is the money down. Indiana went 7 for 13. We talked about any time an offense goes 35% or better on third down, you know, they always have a fighting chance in the game. And to, to, you know, to be above 50% on third down, Indiana just constantly stayed on the field, kept moving the chains. And ultimately, your defense gets a little f fatigued, and then that's when the big plays happen. So, uh, and like, like you said, I think there is a ton of mental focus that needs to happen on third and fourth down because essentially you got one more snap to get off the field. And, and that's a combination of knowing exactly what your assignment is and start to understand a tendency, right? Third and short, third and long. What does this offense like to do so I can be prepared for a response for that? So um, that's – and, again, you hit it, you, you hit it right on the head. Um, that's not anything a good week of practice can't solve for. And having that focus and spending a little extra time, because I know when we play, our Thursday down day was Tuesdays. So take Tuesday to really lean into third down, getting off the field, understanding what the offense is trying to do, and get the ball back to your to your offense that's on that's on that's on fire through John Paddock. So I'd be interested. I, I, that is something I'm absolutely going to look towards um, looking at this Iowa game. Uh, they are in the pink locker rooms this weekend, um, which will be. A very difficult game from a psychiatric standpoint and just being in kinetic stadium like it's a tough tough team to play against um they know what we're coming in to try to accomplish we're looking to become bowl eligible and they're going to be they're playing well you know as much as i dislike iowa as a competitor in the big 10 they are playing very very good football and they're a tough team to beat so third down is going to be critical um especially against a team that likes to run the football um uh, johnny, johnny fire is what you call uh, on defense. Um, he has to really step up and anchor this team going into this game this Saturday. I think that's right, and, and, and you 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 hit the nail on the head, Juice. Um, we we were playing uh, in Iowa City, uh, in those uh, infamous and notorious pink locker rooms. Hay Hayden Fry, the the longtime coach of Iowa, was an evil genius uh, for putting those together. Man, I hate I hated those locker rooms. Um, I also hated playing uh, in Kinnick Stadium for a number of reasons, but one because there's nowhere else in the Big Ten where the student section is so close to the sideline they can actually touch you if they wanted to. Um, and, and Iowa fans, to, to, to their credit, 
uh, they did a little bit more research than some of the other student sections around the Big Ten. They wouldn't just say, you know, your mama is X, Y, and Z. They would say your mama's name. They would read the they would read the media guy, and they would know your mom's name, and they would say they would say some wild stuff to you. That is, that is a fact. First had experience with that. They knew my mom's they, name the few times. They, <laughs> yep, same here, bro. And I'm like, all right, I get it. Um, uh, so it's, it's a tough environment. It's senior day uh, for them, uh, for Iowa, right? Which is a big deal. Uh, one part of the puzzle that we've got to make sure that we that we highlight is that this is Coach B's first game play, uh, coaching at his alma mater, right? So um, when we played Iowa a couple of years ago, he was uh, he had COVID, and so he he had COVID protocols, so he couldn't be there. But he played at Iowa. He is a Hawkeye, um, and he grew up in a small town called Prophetstown, which is right near the Iowa border. Uh, and so I know his emotions are high. I haven't spoken to him. Uh, but I can tell you that, that he is thinking about this game as a big deal. Um, and so we, we have to come in, Juice, and really just try to control the game. I think control the tempo, play it at our level. As you said, these third third downs are going to be pivotal. Uh, but also, as I said earlier, th these first downs are going to be a big deal. One thing I can say that makes me excited about this game is that Deacon Hill, who has now become uh, Iowa's uh, starting quarterback, you know, he's a guy who transferred from Wisconsin, didn't play much there. Um, he's trying to find his way in Iowa right now. The Iowa offense is not uh, extremely powerful. They gave up 22 points to Rutgers. Uh, I mean, they, they only scored 22 points against Rutgers. They were uh, only up 3 nothing at, at the half, right? And so I see a lot of things that we can exploit. Uh, and because this quarterback is not necessarily comfortable in this offense, Iowa is a true blue pro-style offense. Um, they, they do have some spread characteristics. Um, and they've been able to evolve. You, you see more crossing patterns. You see more motions trying to create the right matchups. Uh, but at the end of the day, they're a pro-style offense. And when you have a quarterback who is obviously used to being a spread quarterback, uh, there are some issues. Um, I think I've seen some issues with this quarterback that Iowa has with the center uh, snap. I've seen issues with, uh, with proximity. Uh, you know that in, in a pro-style offense, you know, you get you need three seconds to set the quarterback up the right way to, to be able to throw the ball. But in most good spread offenses, in, in three seconds, the ball's already gone, right? Um, so the timing of the passing offense is a big deal in this. If we can disrupt them uh, and disrupt this quarterback that does not feel comfortable in this old school, uh, in this old school offense, we'll be fine. I think we'll be good. This is this is not the Iowa of old. This is not the, the Iowa I played against. This is not Robbie Gallery and Sean Green and Nate Chandler. Uh, and Brian, Brian Myers and Mike Jones, right? This is a, a different Iowa that's playing the same type of offense. So I think we can exploit them and capitalize on some of the, the weaknesses from a skill position, from a, from a skill standpoint. Yeah, Iowa's tough. Um, and playing in Iowa City is always difficult. Uh, you know, my experience being in the Big Ten, look, obviously the Big Ten from a stadium capacity standpoint has had some of the largest arenas in college football. And you get Penn State, you get obviously Michigan, Ohio State, but funny story, our good, our good friend, DeJuan Warren, right? I remember 2007, that Rose Bowl year. Um, and you talk about a hostile environment. Iowa City is the only place where I seen one of my teammates, so anybody for that matter, get hit with a fully dressed hot dog on the sideline. I'm talking ketchup, relish, um, mustard. Onions and us, we got on all white in the huddle on the sideline, and Juan just coming up like he just had like lunch or something like that. But I'm like, Juan, what's going on? I said, Man, I just got hit with a fully fully dressed hot dog. So, shout out to the to the Iowa City student base. Um, they do an amazing job of making it a hostile, <laughs> fun environment. 
Uh, it's, it's, it's always, uh, it's always funny to kind of think about, you know, the days playing against Iowa and Iowa, but on a, on a more serious note, uh, look, Iowa is playing well, but it's the defense. Their defense is smash mouth and they're not giving up too many big plays. You know, they're winning games 10 to 10 to 15. Um, they're only putting up, you know, 10, seven against Northwestern. This is not a high-power offense that's going to come out and put up a bunch of points that we got to compete against in a similar situation like Indiana. Their defense is really holding down this entire team. And, you know, we always hit defense win championships, and they're doing a good job of that. But this also tells me this. With a team that is, is very defensive heavy, sustaining third downs should be the top focus, right? Because for a defense that's so used to getting off the field and doing whatever they want to do, the more you keep them on the field, you keep them slowly backing up. That starts to mess with you a little bit yeah. because it puts you in uncharted territory. You're not used to being on the field for seven, eight, nine, fifteen plays at a time because you're so used to three and outs, or you know you might give up one first down. Then you you, you know you call on the punt return team. But sustaining drives, getting to 45 percent on third down efficiency for Illinois offense. You put that defense in an uncomfortable situation. At a minimum, you kicking three. You, you getting three points. You kicking field goals. And again, against an offense from Iowa that's not putting up monster numbers, five or six field goals, right? Whether you're in the red zone or just outside the red zone, you putting yourself in a situation to ultimately win those games. So, third down is going to be critical. I think John Paddock. Again, he goes out there and plays his game. Look for the deep balls. You, you do what you do. But the added emphasis this week, if I'm him, I'm doing some extra film study on third down to understand what, what Iowa likes to do on, on third in situations. That's right. And, and, and what I see from this Iowa defense is because they're so used to finding their way back to the sideline after third down um, that when folks convert, uh, they seem to be a little bit discombobulated. I saw Rutgers do it a couple of times last week, uh, which was part of the reason that, that uh, Rutgers only went down, you know, uh, three nothing uh, at the half, right? Uh, the way that this offense is set up, the, the, the high power we have, the ability to convert on third down and to do it over and over and over again, I think puts this Iowa defense in a real disadvantaged position. And so we'll, we'll see if we're able to do that. But I think you're right. I think that that is great advice. A little bit more time on film this week, specifically getting comfortable in third down, uh, getting getting uh, feeling strong in that space so we can find ways to continue to convert, to, to keep the clock on our side and to keep possession of the ball. 100%, man. Look, long as we can sustain third downs and avoid them glitches being thrown on the sideline, I think we'll be we'll be in good shape playing against Iowa this weekend. I totally so agree. I'm super excited about this game. All right, juice box question of the day. Um, and this, this literally just came to me um, two seconds ago. We talked about John Patton having a career day um, against Indiana last week. Um, here, here, here's the question that you, from a defensive guy, would you rather have um, a shootout game like that 45, 48, 50, 53 in a high intense, um, you know, high, high scoring game, or would you just want to have a rainy, super cold, six to three kind of run heavy game? What, what, what would be your preference as a fan? You know, it, guys, just that's a tough one for me. It, it really depends, man. Um, as much as I talk about, you know, not liking quarterbacks and not liking offense, all that good stuff. Um, as a fan of the game, it's, 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 it's fun to watch, right? Um, it, it keeps you on the edge of your seat uh, and it keeps you engaged. 
Uh, sometimes some of those more smash mouth games, the three to six games, the the, the ten to three games, um, it's it's hard for people who don't really love the game or understand the game at, the, at a granular level to get excited about that. Uh, but you know, I'm a smash mouth guy, man. So give me give me that low scoring game any day of the week. Um, I want to see some 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 pads cracking. I want to see some helmets coming off. Um, you know, I want to see some real life Midwest football. And, and it's better if it's cold outside, right? I don't want that in the summertime. I want, I want that when it's chilly out there, right? Um, that's the type of football I, I love to see. I love playing in those type of games um, because you know, you know, any play one way or another can really dictate the, the and determine what the game is going to going to end like. That's my option, but I I would imagine that you may be on the other side of that. Yeah, the, well, depending. Depending. <laughs> uh, now, if if I got a guy. If I got a Reggie Love, if I got a Pierre Thomas, I got a, a Howard Griffin in the backfield, yeah, let's go smash mouth. But if I'm dealing with a running back 5'10", a buck 85, a buck 90, a speed guy, no, absolutely not. Let's throw the balls, get the ball out of space, and let's go for the high performance. Um, but if I can make my life easier by just handing the ball off 36 times, cool, I'm down for that. And as long as it comes with a win, I'm, I'm good with that. So, um, But, yeah, I, I expect that for you to be go for you to go – you know, more smash mouth because being a defensive line, you you want that action. Yeah, for so, sure. For sure. Anytime. Yeah. Any, day, any day of the week. Good stuff. No, nah, good stuff. Change your gears, man. Um, and I hate to keep bringing up, you know, just stuff in the media. John Harbaugh. <laughs> um, more recent news. Um, Big Ten has come down with a suspension. Essentially, they banned him for the rest of the season. Um, and he's appealing with the different hearings that's coming up. What, what what's your take on this entire situation? You know, obviously, what the you know with the with the signal still in probing, you know, now is allegedly like guys were doing some in person scouting. You know, these this information is being shared to other teams allegedly. What's your thought of this entire mess? So first off, uh, shout out to John, Jim Harbaugh for being uh, the first coach I know in NC two A history to be suspended twice in the same season. Uh, <laughs> two two different suspensions and Juice. We talked about this in the, in the previous podcast. Uh, but as a guy who spent a fair time suspended at the University of Illinois, of Illinois and got kicked out of my uh, fair amount of practices, you know I sympathize with him to a certain extent. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, us rule breakers got to got to unite. Uh, but listen, I, I think that it's much ado about nothing. Um, first off, the signal stealing in and of itself is not against the NC2A rules. Um, what they're charging him with or, or saying that, that happened uh, is that they did impermissible scouting, right? That, you know, they were, they were whether this was in person or via film or at practice, whatever it was, that they were finding a way, ways to, to get into spaces they weren't supposed to be in to watch um, and figure out what they could. Now, listen, I, I think that we, we need rules and we need parameters. But, listen, there's no way with or without uh, that signal stealing that, Purdue University uh, was going to be able to beat Michigan. Not this year. It wasn't happening, right? Um, in fact, we, we, we both have played uh, in college games and high school games where our coaches just knew we were so much better than the other team that they knew what we were running, and we said, we dare you to stop it because you can't, right? That's part of the, the beauty and the glory of, of this game. And so, once again, I, I think this is a really tough thing for the Michigan faithful to be going through. Uh, and I want to be clear, there's no love lost in my heart for the University of Michigan, but 
let's be very clear, numbers-wise, the University of Illinois ain't going to the national championship. And so somebody's got to win it, and so I'm rooting for them to do it, um, a, a team from our conference. And, and to watch this happen uh, during a year where they have just as good a, a chance as any uh, to, to be playing in that big game at the end of the year is a little bit disheartening. Um, but I think Harbaugh is taking it all in stride. I've said this before to you, Juice, though. I think that he will be, become so fed up with the NCAA, especially if he finds a way to win and or play in the national championship uh, this year, uh, that the first NFL team that comes knocking, which may be the team that he spent eight years on the roster of, the Chicago Bears, I bet you he says yes. <laughs> no, I mean, it's hard to ignore uh, that sort of, I don't want to call it conspiracy, but sort of setup. It's hard to ignore that with the Bears struggling, it's a lot of familiarity with the city of Chicago. You play there, I mean, you close proximity, you back in the NFL. So, I mean, it's hard to ignore that potentially being an outcome. But, I mean, for him to deal with everything the way he has, very professional, at least to, to my knowledge of what I've seen in the media, being very professional, um, he's not ducking, he's not hiding, he's not making a ton of excuses. Uh, he's doing everything that he needs to do in order to overcome, you know, said allegations. I mean, it's, it's I, t I tip my hat to him. And not only to do it the way he's doing it, your team is still 10-0, yeah. right? You're still 10-0 in the midst of all this rumbling, all, this, all the things that people are saying negatively about you. And I'm, and I'm sure he's, he's getting a heavy doses of it, you know, with probably fan mail, handwritten, handwritten letters, emails. I'm sure he's dealing with it on a daily basis, but to still have his team prepared, have his coaching staff prepared week in and week out and go out there and dominate in this season, I mean, look, it's going to be a class for the big game, right? I think everyone is excited to see what that's going to look like. And you got two serious playoff contenders, and much like you, I want to see someone from the Big Ten go out there and represent the conference in the playoffs and ultimately get to the national championship and win it. But... Um, yeah, it, it's a lot, man. It's 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 a lot to to kind of sort of uh, to kind of dissect and see exactly from you know an allegation standpoint. Look, I've said this before, and I'll say it again. S signals are no signals, man. Beat me. Whether you know I'm running the ball, I'm going outside zone. It's a in my, in my understanding of how signals work. There's a lot of information that has to be unpacked in a matter of 15 seconds, right? Okay, I saw your signal. I have to translate that down to my offense or defense i have to get the perfect play call i gotta alert players of what's coming by the by that time the ball is snapped so signals are not look let's go in line up again now i'm not all, also i'm not saying let's be clear i'm not for any rules breaking either like if it's a rule stick to the rules you can't have people showing up to practices or on being on the sideline impersonating other people you know still in signs you can't do that so if, if that's true then clean that up but at the same time, I mean, look, don't look for excuses for why you lost. Just come out there, get back in the lab, and, and beat me. Yeah. Right? That's just, you know, it's kind of my feelings on that. So, but like I like I alluded to earlier, they're playing well, and they seem to constantly be prepared for upcoming opponents. And I don't think it'll be any different coming up this weekend. I guess Maryland. They'll, they'll be fine. They'll be ready. Um, they are. They have shown themselves to be uh, a team that they can play through this adversity. And so good for them, especially if they find a way to make all of this work. At the end of the year, Jews, I, I think it will be unfair, though, if we if we uh, leave this conversation um, without saying this. We talked a lot about uh, Caleb uh, Williams, right? What's Caleb's last name? Is it Williams? Yeah, okay. Um, when he was crying, Sharon, Sharon Moore, the interim head coach at the University of Michigan. Did you see his post-game interview? I did oh, not. Oh, all tears. All tears. 
like but happy tears. It was weird. It was interesting. Um, go back, go back and look it up. I don't know what's going on um, <laughs> right now in college football, but my yeah, brother, the world is shifting, man. I, I guess so. I guess so. Just, I, I know we we um we're gonna shift to the to the last piece here, but there, there is one thing I want to bring up uh, that I think is worth us mentioning as, as well um, on how much one single play can change a game, right? And, and what how a game can change a season. I was looking back at the season just a few days ago and thinking what could have gone differently, and there were a few plays. Um, throughout the season, I think if we did not uh, convert that, that fourth down against Toledo, we would have a different conversation. I've said that. Uh, but I think the most pivotal play of the season actually was uh, the the fake targeting call on Johnny Newton against Iowa, against Wisconsin in the first few minutes of the fourth quarter. Uh, I believe that's why we lost that game. Uh, I believe that had we beat, beat in Wisconsin and we continue to go on this street that we're on right now, we're having an entirely different conversation. Not a, you know, what if, you know, Big Ten championship, uh, but it becomes much more clearer for us, right? And so, um, you know, I'm still in my feelings about that, that call. I think the referees did what they thought was, was the right thing to do. Uh, but you, you go back and look at that, that call and it's, it's suspect. Um, but, but think about what that one play uh, meant for the entire rest of the season uh, because it really changed the trajectory of that game. Yeah, and that's why, I mean, I say that, and you make a good point, Cam. That's why I say, you know, a football season is it's such a domino sort of game. It's the closest thing you get to real life. What you do yesterday, obviously, is a new day, but it can still have some lingering effect. Um, losing Johnny Newton in that fourth quarter and potentially going out there and beating Wisconsin, that changed the entire dynamic of this season because that's all type of momentum coming off that Maryland win. Um, we're already bowl eligible at this point. We put ourselves in a position with the West to, to show up and have an appearance in the Big Ten Championship. So a lot of things can absolutely change. And it's just not like a video game where everything is sort of secluded to just that game. Like there is an entire sort of, um, you know, like I said, a domino effect that happens from Saturday afternoon to Sunday to Monday through Friday going into the rest of the week. So, yes, I mean, that changes everything. And not even just that play. I mean, it's a couple other plays early in the season where obviously we got – Penn State even on the ropes going into the fourth quarter. We got five in, five turnovers, and we still in position to win that game. A couple plays here and there. That changes everything. All right, so every play, every drive, every game is critical because you just never know how these dominoes are going to fall. So constantly putting yourself in the best uh, possible position is always going to be critical in order to uh, sustain a successful football season. Absolutely. So no, that's, a, that's an excellent point that you brought up. Excellent point. Cam, it's always fun to do this. Uh, I love talking football. I love talking to Illinois football with you. Um, that wraps up another episode. Uh, much love to you, brother, and uh, let's go ahead and get bowl eligible this weekend. Let's do it, brother. Aski wow wow. Aski wow wow. Go Illini.